Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Volume. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff. Three and Out podcast, little Wednesday edition. We just had a little breaking news. Justin Herbert signs a massive amount of money. Uh, I think over $260 million, 185 guaranteed, more money than Lamar or Jalen Hurts. We will dive into all that, as well as Brock Purdy is ready to roll. Uh, some holdouts, Zach Martin, Bosa, Saquon signs, a contract, really the only contract he could sign because he was franchise tagged. So we will dive into all that as well as the mailbag at John Middlecoff, Instagram, DMs, wide open. Fire in those DMs and get your question answered on the show. Very, very easy to do. Uh, I was rocking. I don't think I mentioned this on the podcast. I mentioned this on the YouTube. Flex fits hats. I have a three and out flex fits. Uh, we have trucker hats as well as like the stretchy ones, so go check that out. Thevolume.com. Thevolume.com has a lot of three and out merch. I was rocking the Flex Fit all day yesterday. I'm rocking the uh, the trucker version today. So get yourself a three and out hat. Thevolume.com. Search the merch, and we got some swag for you. Uh, other than that, so we got a podcast today. I think I'm, me and Colin are going to do something later in this week whenever he gets back from uh, Canada. Looks like he's having a good time on the Instagrams. So uh, I'm jealous. And we'll talk some more football. So just football, football, football. We, we're going. Guys getting signed. And uh, not the running backs. Well, they, they did. Just not as much as they wanted. Uh, the other players are getting a lot. So we'll dive into it all. Mailbag, like I said, let's, let's roll. But first, do you have a smartphone? Because if you do, do you know what I need you to do? I need to go to your app store, and I need you to download the Game Time app. They happen to be the official ticketing app of this podcast. They've sent me to concerts. They've sent me to hockey games. They've sent me to spring training games. They've sent me everywhere. And they've sent a lot of you there, too, because when you download the Game Time app, first-time ticket users signing up and using the promo code JOHN, that's just my name, J-O-H-N, get $20 off any pair of tickets. If you haven't used it yet and you want to go watch your favorite NFL team this fall, you want to watch your favorite college football team this fall, use it. Game Time has access to everything from games to comedy shows to concerts. They will take care of you. Promo code John. Download it right now. Fastest growing ticketing app in America. Do it. Do it right now. I remember two years ago after Justin Herbert's second season that I talked to multiple NFL teams 
And one thing you do as a personnel department is we talk about it a lot in the draft. Like we grade every guy, regardless of where we're picking and what positions we need. It's no different in the NFL. When the season ends, at least by the combine, you have every player graded in the NFL. From Mahomes to Saquon to Brady to random practice squad guys. Every team, every guy has an updated grade based on that season. And then you can go by position your highest graded guys. And I remember talking to multiple teams who are pretty well-run playoff-level squads. And they both had Justin Herbert as a top-five player. Now, that was the season, remember, when the the Raiders beat him in Week 17 and the Chargers didn't get in the playoffs. We were screaming, God, he should play for a tie just so they both get in. And then Justin Herbert last year, another fantastic season. They're in the playoffs and they have the devastating loss to the the Jacksonville Jacks. But I think it's clear, and it's been clear from very early on his rookie season. This guy's a star and he's the total package. We've all watched bits and pieces of the quarterback documentary. We need a lot out of that position. Obviously, the physical characteristics, he's got it all. Size, speed, arm strength, touch. There is nothing physically that he can't do. It it honestly is pretty crazy looking back. It was understandable, I guess, at the time, but the Tua went above him. If you could do a redraft, Burrow still goes one, but it's one-two. It's Bro Herbert, and really 1A, 1B. And I know Burrow's accomplished more as a team. They just have a better operation. Herbert's dealing with Brandon Staley, who has dramatically let them down two years in a row. Now, I'm not saying the guy's perfect. I'm not comparing him to Mahomes in terms of complete player or Peyton Manning or Tom Brady. But if you have eyes and you have watched the Chargers play, you go, I'd want that guy as my quarterback. And then, like I said with the quarterback documentary, you need the physical characteristics. Then you need the intangible stuff. And he clearly has all that. The knock on him was he was kind of like understated, wasn't loud enough. That clearly isn't an issue because when you're that good, it just makes you a little louder. And from a character standpoint, he's an A+. So the Chargers now go from Drew Brees to Phillip Rivers to Justin Herbert. I don't think we talk enough about how well they've had it from the quarterback position. I also think this contract, who now... He gets slightly more guaranteed, I think, than Lamar and and Jalen Hurts. He gets an enormous deal. He gets NBA money because that's what these quarterbacks are making now, right? Almost $200 million guaranteed. There will be a $200 million guaranteed quarterback within the next 12 months. And 185 guaranteed, a lot of money, man. It it really is. Clay Thompson, a couple years ago, his max contract was $190 million. So the money getting divvied out now at these positions is historically large. And if I'm going to give a historically large amount of money, if I'm an NFL franchise, I have to feel excellent about the player. And I don't think the Chargers could feel any better about this guy. Now, I think from a big picture standpoint, it put pressure on him and pressure on the franchise now to make a little bit of a run. You don't need to win the Super Bowl this year, but can you win a couple playoff games? Can you be battling with the Chiefs or the Bengals in the AFC Championship game? Because your team, talent-wise, is stacked. Your quarterback is a star. And I oh, my God, what's he accomplished? Just watch the games. I know you can't call GMs and coaches. They all think he's a stud. They don't just think that about anyone. He is. He's really, really good. He's the type guy that you want to build a franchise around. Chargers got lucky. Dean Spanos, 
cut a big check. He might not like paying his coaches. He's all they pay the players. Now, granted, the NFL just get free money with the media deal, but I think there is tangible pressure this year on the Chargers, on Brandon Staley, on the organization to take a step. It's weird because you don't even need to win the division. You play in a division with one of the most well-run franchises in recent memory. I mean, they might be going on a Patriot-like run in the Chiefs. But you should be able to win 12 games and not lose the Jags with a 27-7 to lead at halftime. That's not that's not acceptable this year. And when you pay quarterbacks this type of money, and just in general in, in sports, right, when you start paying players historic amounts of money, you don't fire players. You fire coaches. So Brandon Staley, to me, has been a major red flag his two years as head coach. And if that same thing happens again this year and they underachieve, it's adios. Because they're in it with Herbert, as they should be, for the long haul. Uh, he's easily one of the most physically gifted quarterbacks in recent memory. Like he, He's on the short list of like Josh Allen, Cam Newton in his prime, Roethlisberger. I mean, this guy is a physical freak. And he can really, I mean, and it's, he's just, he's really, really good. So I completely understand, would have done the same thing as well. Uh, now it's just time to win as a franchise, which you could argue over the last 20 years with the talent this team has had on, on different iterations is probably one of the more underachieving teams. I think it gets back to not skimping on the players, but they've skimped on the coaches. And now all eyes turn to, to Brandon Staley and his coaching staff. Can they get it done? when it matters the most. Let's start with the 49ers, who uh, had veterans report today, and, and tomorrow, unofficially, because the pads don't come on until Sunday, starts their training camp and their practice with everybody. And Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch spoke today. And there are several news and notes coming out of the organization. But to me, the big news was that Brock Purdy, who in the spring and really early wintertime, avoided Tommy John when Kyle had a terrible play call and had his backup tight end blocking all pro and led to Purdy's elbow getting injured. And it looked kind of dire there for a little bit. Is this guy going to have Tommy John? Is this guy going to miss the season? And when he had the surgery here in Arizona by a baseball doctor, they were pretty optimistic, but you never knew until three or three or three and a half months in and he could start throwing. And as you've seen all over the NFL, guys going on pup, and we'll get into that a little bit later, Brock Purdy avoided pup. And he's not quote-unquote full go, but he's able to practice. They're going to put him on somewhat of a timeline on a given week, a couple days on, one day off, uh, and let that backup quarterback battle between Trey Lance and Sam Darnold take shape. But to me, the big story is this. Before Andy Reid got Patrick Mahomes, who's going to go down as, I don't know, top three quarterback ever, he sure on that trajectory, and just one of the great players we've ever seen, he was winning a lot. Now, he hadn't won a Super Bowl, but he was winning constantly. And what made it so awesome is that he was doing it with all sorts of quarterbacks, from Donovan McNabb to when he had to win with Jeff Garcia to Michael Vick to Alex Smith to obviously now Patrick Mahomes. And what makes Coach Reed such an awesome coach is he doesn't need Brett Favre or Patrick Mahomes to win games. Now, you need typically a great quarterback to win a Super Bowl. There have been some outlier teams 
an individual, a Trent Dilfer, a Brad Johnson. But for the most part, you need a star quarterback, a Peyton Manning, a Tom Brady, a Mahomes to win Super Bowls. But you don't need them to consistently win double-digit games and go to the playoffs. Now, only the great coaches can figure it out with all sorts of different quarterbacks. And Kyle Shanahan is really going to test the limits this year. Because Jimmy Garoppolo, who to me is pretty average and greatly benefited from a fantastic defense, awesome weapons, and most importantly, a fantastic play caller, is Brock Purdy was better last year. Now, it's a very, very small sample size, the seven games. But the 49ers offense was dramatically better. He's more athletic than Jimmy Garoppolo. And I don't know if he has a stronger arm, but he's definitely more willing and more accurate down the field to push the ball. And I would call him more of a playmaker than Jimmy Garoppolo. But if Kyle Shanahan rolls into this season and wins 11, 12 plus games with Mr. Irrelevant, is he going to win the Super Bowl or not? I don't know. I'd still take the Chiefs or the Bengals, or the Bills, because if I'm picking a team, I'm just going to lean with the star quarterback, even though the 49ers roster, top to bottom, or the Eagles, is as good or better than them all. Like, really, the only team in the league that can go player for player with the 49ers is the Eagles. Now, they happen to have a very expensive premium quarterback who went toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes and really outplayed him in the Super Bowl. Could Brock Purdy do that? I don't know. But if Kyle Shanahan, which everyone including my mom, is going to pick the 49ers to win the division, as you should. But if you can just consistently win with random quarterbacks, that's a pretty incredible accomplishment. And the debate with Kyle Shanahan for a long time is his record was under 500. Well, he shut everyone up. And last year, won 12, 13 games. Now his record's nine games above 500. But to me, the most impressive part about him is he wins playoff games. Like, you get him in the playoffs, and he wins playoff games. Has not won a Super Bowl. But the three of the years that he's been in the NFC Championship games, he's won two games each year. That's why he has six playoff wins. Like, sick. He's beaten Mike McCarthy back-to-back years at home and on the road. I mean, he beat Aaron Rodgers on the road. Right? His teams come to play. And a lot like Andy Reid is the one thing Andy really values, even before Mahomes, was the line of scrimmage puts a lot of value in the offensive and defensive lines. And it just has a very good feel for playmakers. And to have a good feel for playmakers doesn't mean you always got to be drafting guys in the first round. He has the ability to see guys in the draft and then develop them once he's on, once they're on the team to have a, you know, a very explosive team, regardless who the quarterback is. It's why you can win games when Alex Smith is not even throwing a touchdown to a wide receiver because he's throwing the ball to Jamal Charles all the time. Your tight ends are productive. Your defense is good. And that's what makes a good head coach. That's why Sean McVay's been pretty good, right? Last year with standing. He has a very balanced, his good teams are just good on defense. They were pretty good on the line of scrimmage, especially on the defensive line. You have to value those things as an offensive coach. It's why guys like Coward talk so much shit about defensive head coaches because it doesn't feel like they understand the offensive side of the ball. And I'm not saying Kyle Shanahan or Andy Reid are defensive geniuses, but they value the premium positions on that side of the ball. They want pass rushers. They want big heavies in the middle of their defensive line. They love good cornerbacks. They want to be able to cover. And that's where you put yourself in position. Because all you can ask for is home games in the playoffs and a chance you know, to win a Super Bowl. And it's going to be very difficult because we talk about this all the time. There's a high, whatever, a tier of five or six teams, right? We know the three teams in the AFC. It's the Chiefs, the Bengals, and the Bills. 
all three basically have $50 million quarterbacks, right? I know Burrow hasn't signed his contract. Mahomes and Josh Allen might make 45, whatever, but 45, $50 million quarterbacks. They all three of them should be the highest paid guys in the league. And then you look at the NFC, which is a lot weaker. The Eagles have, well, I think it's fair to assume he's going to continue that level of play or just a high level of play and be a pro bowler, a very, very expensive elite quarterback. And then Dak Prescott, who, you know, a little underwhelming, but is a consistent pro bowl level guy. And then the 49ers, who have Mr. Irrelevant coming off an elbow injury. And if he's just able to win like this, it's it's a remarkable job of team building, <laughs> right? Because their team is so well balanced. They made a move that I red flag last year. When they traded for Christian McCaffrey, I'm like, you're trading a second, a third, and a fourth for a running back who's been injured a lot? And then they get Christian McCaffrey and he scores 14 fucking touchdowns as a 49er. And he's just a complete badass. I mean, he, he does it all. Like, Saquon's like, pay me. It's like, hey, Saquon, be better in the passing game. You know why McCaffrey's way better player than you when you're both healthy? Because he dominates in the passing game. If you want to get paid, try doing that. If any of your running backs, it's a passing league. We know you guys can run the ball. You got to bring more to the table, right? Like, I need my star offensive lineman to run block and pass block. What makes a good linebacker? Can you play the run and play the pass? Like you kind of got to do it all, right? The reason these quarterbacks get paid so much money is there is nothing they can't do. That's why we pick apart some of the mid-tier guys because they're lacking some stuff. So big year for Kyle Shanahan, who I I really think is kind of becoming until he wins a a Super Bowl. And remember, it took Andy multiple decades to win a Super Bowl, kind of this generation of that. And if he's able to honestly even get close with Brock Purdy, it's an incredible accomplishment. A couple other things coming out of 49er camp today. Nick Bosa's holding out. One thing I would say is actually two, two things. The 49ers do not just give money away. They always pay their best players. I've been around them professionally now for 12, 15 years, right? A little less than that. Probably about 12 years, I guess. And they will pay everybody from Frank Gore to Patrick Willis to Vernon Davis to Kaepernick to Joe Staley, to this crew of guys, Fred Warner, Trent Williams, Nick Bosa, Debo Samuel, they'll pay them all. But they don't just go Jerry Jones and tell you, what do you want? We'll cut you the check. But they'll pay you. They'll make you work for it. And they'll argue. They'll negotiate. They just took over a team in Europe who was in the EPL and then got relegated. Well, their main cap guy, Parag, who I would say him and Howie are the best money guys in the league and can be tough to negotiate with sometimes, knows what he's doing. But he doesn't just give you an open checkbook and say, you write down the number and we'll give you what we what you want. Here's what I know. And I've talked to them about it. They know Nick Bosa is going to cost a shitload. $110, $120 million guaranteed. Money you could combine every running back. There ain't a GM in the league that would pay anyone a quarter of what you would pay Nick Bosa. And he's worth every penny. But they're going to negotiate and haggle over it. And here's another reality. I've gone to Niners training camps for the last th- three or four years, ever since Bosa's been on the team. He doesn't practice that much in training camp. Unlike a lot of players where you're like, you know, is he really in good shape? He needs training camp to get dialed in. Nick Bosa goes to Florida for six months with his brother, uh, their dad who played in the NFL, and I think another trainer, and they just train like mothers. I mean, they are not messing around. He came back last year. As jacked as any player I've seen in the NFL since like Khalil Mack in his prime. So I'm not worried if I'm the 49ers about Bosa's conditioning level, about his ability to be ready to go. I don't blame Nick Bosa. Until I have a contract, I'm not stepping on the field. I understand the new rules about the fines 
right? Because before you could waive them, you can't do that anymore. Well, if I miss a week and that's whatever, 350 grand, we're adding $350,000 onto the contract. I'm that good a player. Unlike the running backs, I got leverage. I rushed the passer, <laughs> which beside the quarterback and the tackle, we're, there's the quarterback and then there's the left tackles and the pass rushers. Those are the most important guys in the league. And then a couple right tackles like Lane Johnson that are also valued at that level. But Bose is holding out, which is to me totally understandable. Not really worried because I've seen him. Takes very limited reps. Not worth him getting in any sort of injury in camp. The other thing is, is last year, you know, Debo's had a weird career, right? He was drafted above two guys. Debo doesn't play a true wide receiver. Like AJ Brown, DK Metcalf are true outside wide receivers. Debo is much more like a hybrid, right? He does most of his work within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. We know he can play running back, runs a lot of slants, runs a lot of quick wide receiver screens, get the ball in his hand, and then let him take off. I don't know what his 40 time is. All I know is when the ball is in his hands, the overwhelming majority of players in the NFL are not catching him, and they typically do not. But early on in his career, he had battled some injuries and some weight issues. Because unlike DK and AJ, for example, those guys are tall, linear players. Debo's kind of short and stout. And sometimes, like, the weight can be an issue. And a couple years ago, came into camp out of shape. And then in 2021, literally carried the franchise to the playoffs. Contract year gets broken off. 2022 wasn't great. It wasn't terrible. You still want, like, Debo Samuels type guy, you want on your squad, big game. You want to be in the trenches with him. Whether you're gambling on him, whether you're rooting for his team, dude's a war daddy. But his level of play set the bar so high in 2021, didn't play up to his standards. And I think some people thought he was a little out of shape. You know, two years ago when he was kind of doing his holdout thing, unlike Nick Bosa, don't worry about his conditioning. Debo, two years ago, went to Florida. and People weren't quite sure what he was doing. This year... I don't know this for a fact, but if I had to take an educated guess, he spent his entire offseason in Scottsdale. I think the 49ers went, hey, you go to this person. There's a big training facility here where a ton of NFL guys work out. And Kyle Shanahan said today he was sending him pictures constantly. He's like, I've never had a man send me so many pictures of his shirt off. I think Debo's very proud. I think he's very locked in. I think he has a lot to prove because I think he was feeling himself a little bit last year and had a down season for his standards. Still a really good player, would play for every team, start for every team. But he's also a unique player. Not every OC could use him, perfectly suited for this offense. And I, I think there are some big picture question marks with him just in general, right? Because Brandon Ayuk, who is going into his fourth year, is going to need a contract eventually. He's not quite on that number one tier of guys, but if you're on the second tier of wide receivers, let's use T. Higgins as an example, you're waving goodbye to the running backs. You're headed toward that $20 million number. You might not be a $30 million player, but you're 18 to 20. If if Odell is getting 15, you better believe the younger guys like Iukes and the Higgins are thinking, you know, 19, 20, $21 million. So you, it's very, very hard to build the team, even if you have a cheap quarterback with one wide receiver making 25 and another guy making 20. I don't care how you fudge the books, and the 49ers are good at that. So this is a big year for Debo just to kind of reflex his muscles for the 49ers to feel good about him being a franchise-level player. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. 
With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Honestly, I'm a little tired of the whole running back thing. I I really am. I I think it's kind of embarrassing. All these guys bitching and moaning are all making 10, 11, 12 million dollars. Right. If they were making two million dollars, I would understand. But they act like they're more deserving of everyone getting their back, like they're royally getting screwed than linebackers, than tight ends, than guards and centers. Why why are they any different? This notion everyone was saying that they should get a special spot in the salary cap. Why shouldn't guards and centers? Why shouldn't linebackers? Why shouldn't tight ends? Running backs are the last position that any GM or coach would want to utilize for the benefit of the team. They are the most replaceable player. Austin Eckler, who got the Zoom together as the group, right, literally is a great example of an undrafted free agent who KO'd, beat out, and sent packing a former first-round pick in Melvin Gordon. Said, I'm better than you. I'm an undrafted free agent. Get the bleep out of here. That's essentially what he does, did. And that's what happens constantly. And then Saquon, who signed his contract, which was the smart move, actually should have signed the contract when I'm sure they offered him $25, $30 million guaranteed. Because now he's going to get franchise tagged more than likely again next year if he has a solid season. So he will have two years, and let's say the franchise tag next year is $14 million. He'll have made $25 million over two years. Like that's pretty lucrative couple years given your position supply demand basic economics this is not fantasy football this is not madden this is a business with a salary cap you have to build your team the reason you pay trent williams or any elite offensive tackle right big time money because they're very hard to replace if you lose trent williams if you lose lane johnson You're not finding their replacement. They don't exist. Walk around society, New York, LA, fuck, go international. Tell me how many 6'5", 300-plus pounders with running back feet you're going to find on this planet. I'll find a ton of guys, 5'11", big-time athletes that are strong. Right? You you just will. And there aren't many guys that can throw for 5,000 yards. That's why quarterbacks make so much money. Right? If there were less running backs... If Saquon Barkley wasn't a dime a dozen, and I know he's better than most, but the difference of him 
and some random running back right now at a camp that's going to become the next Isaiah Pacheco isn't very wide. And do you know what the Chiefs are paying Isaiah Pacheco? The league minimum. So it's like, would you rather have Isaiah Pacheco making 800 grand or Saquon making 11? Because I'll tell you this, I'll take Isaiah Pacheco and then the ability to fill in my team with three other players. And then I'll just have a better team. Why? It's a team game. This isn't golf. I'm not just trying to find Rory or Brooks Kepka. This isn't tennis. This is a team game. And there are several positions, pass rusher, tackle, quarterback, that are infinitely more valuable by a wide gap than running back, which is arguably at the bottom of the list. But this notion that they're getting screwed anymore than tight ends, isn't Travis Kelsey making $12, 13000000 million a year? What does Travis Kelsey have in common with Nick Chubb or Saquon Barkley or Austin Eckler? Not much. Been doing it a lot longer at the highest level in the biggest games. I just, I don't hear him bitching and moaning. So this notion of these Zoom calls, of they're getting screwed any more than a guard. I'll tell you who's getting screwed. Zach Martin, Hall of Famer, one of the best players of his generation. Wants more money, deserves it. Like Saquon is making more than him. How does that make any sense? It doesn't. So this, it's never going to change. They they constantly like scream at the fans and the media, like your coach and your GM view is widgets. They, they just do. They're the people who don't value you, the decision makers, right? It's them. They are the people and they're the most important people in your building because they choose who to pay. Us people that talk about it for a living, your fan base, they have zero pull. Absolutely none. Now, the, obviously, there is a variable with the Giants, with Daniel Jones, but like we said earlier, he plays the most important position. So is he overpaid? Of course he is. Was he way harder to replace than Saquon? One million percent. So I, I give Saquon credit for realizing, like, what are we doing? This contract can't change because we can't extend because of the rules. Sign the deal, get a little up front, and just show up and ball. And the next year, you'll probably get franchised again. I give the Giants credit for not capitulating, for doing good business, because this is good business. Daniel Jones, pretty risky business. I'm not going to call it bad business, because if Daniel Jones, they win 9, 10 games, he has another season like he did last year, like, I'm sorry. Like, that's just, is it is it worth a little more than you would have liked to pay? Of course. But as we see all around the league, like the Vikings are going to find this out. Cole's cash, baby. If Kirk Cousins, they just let him walk and he disappears next year, who are they replacing him with? Who's playing quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings next year? Cousins got some flaws, but good luck upgrading that. You saw, depending on who your favorite team is, the pup list all over the NFL. And you saw guys like Jonathan Taylor, Vaughn Miller, Teron Armstead, and a, a ton of guys are on the list. It's why it was a big story when Brock Purdy avoided it. And, you know, every team every year goes, we feel good. He should be back soon. And sometimes they will. I saw a headline, Jonathan Taylor might only be on it a couple days. And then there are just guys that never find their way off of it. And then all of a sudden they miss all of training camp. And then the season starts and they're on it for six weeks. And it's like, God, I didn't think the injury was that serious. And to me, anytime a guy starts a season or a training camp on the pup list, I'm just nervous. 
I'm not saying it's the end-all, be-all. I'm not saying he's never going to play all season, but we see it time and time again that those guys never actually come back. And some guys you know, right? Like Teron Armstead, the tackle for Miami. He's always hurt. So what's going to happen this season? He's going to be injured. So I'm not even counting that one. But Vaughn Miller, for example, major injury last year. Now he's a veteran player, and I'm sure you're taking it easy, but until he can have like a week of practice with no knee swelling, like I'd be nervous if I was a Bills fan. Not doesn't mean he's not going to play this season. Doesn't mean that he's not going to be good. But until guys start practicing, especially this is not 1958 Bear Bryant double days. Practices for NFL standards historically pretty easy. There's no tackling to the ground. It is you one practice a day, and honestly, there's just three practices in a row, and then there's an off day that's mandatory by the league. So let's just something to keep an eye on the pup list. And then there are good times like J.C. Horn, former high pick, uh, missed all of OTAs because he had an injury, avoids it, and he's ready to go for training camp. Like the, the, To me, anytime a guy was injured in OTAs, is able to avoid pup and come back ready to roll, it's great. And then clearly, we talked about it yesterday, you have those instances of guys getting hurt. You just kind of hope it's not that big a deal. Jamison Williams, who it doesn't necessarily matter because he's going to miss those games for gambling, you know, tweak something. He's going to miss a couple of days. And then you have Tony with the Chiefs, who tweaks a knee, return the punt, all of a sudden needs surgery. So you just, (laughs) it's just time. You kind of keep your fingers crossed. You hold on for your ass. Not a big deal if a guy's got to miss a couple weeks, especially a veteran player, a guy that you've seen produce. But sometimes a couple weeks, can turn into a month, and then all of a sudden, you know, we don't feel he's quite ready for week one. So it's just it's what makes this sport so difficult, and it's why depth is important. And it gets back to the running back thing. When you overpay certain positions, they better produce at the highest level because if they don't, it does limit your depth as a team. A couple other news and notes. Like I said, Zach Martin, this running back thing, like what about a guy like this? Future Hall of Famer, one of the best players in the league, just if you put it in a vacuum, obviously guard is on the lower end of the tiers of importance because the way you have to look at a football team is there is just a hierarchy of importance. Starting with quarterback, you could argue left tackle or just tackle in general. I want my right tackle to be good too, and so many sweet pass rushers now line up over the right. Howard Mudd used to always tell me, why do you keep saying left tackle, right tackle? What's the difference? He's like, when I was with the Colts, we had Dwight Freeney on one end and Robert Mathis on the other. So your left tackle is good and your right tackle stinks. Good luck. You're going to get your quarterback killed. So tackles, pass rushers, quarterbacks. And then I think we can argue. A lot of people say corners. I'd argue D-tackle. Because if I have a sweet defensive end, sweet D-tackle, sweet defensive line, I can kind of get by. The 49ers made the conference championship a couple years ago with Josh Norman, who's slower than me and you. Why? Because their pass rush was dominant. Now, does it help to have good corners? Of course. Do you want lockdown guys? Yes. Would I love to have Deion Sanders and Darrell Revis in their prime? Of course. But for the most part, it's going to be very, very difficult to get those guys because uh, you either got to pay a lot and they don't really come in free agency and you got to trade a lot for them, i.e. what the Rams did to get Jalen Ramsey. And there aren't really, I'd argue there's a short list of quote-unquote elite corners And depending on what your defense is, you might not play a lot of man-to-man defense. It might be more of a zone defense. And then you need a specific type player like a Richard Sherman. And the only reason the 49ers were able to get him the one year is because he was coming off a torn Achilles. right? Otherwise, he Seattle wouldn't have got rid of him. So once you get an elite corner, they don't really become available. Uh, So Zach Martin, I think the Cowboys don't have a choice, partly because if you're Zach Martin and you go, 
however long I've been here, right? A decade, kicking ass, taking names. You pay Diggs's brother. I always get him mixed up. So we got Stefan and we got Trayvon. Trayvon's on the Cowboys. And he, a couple years ago, had that year, right? Whatever many picks. Good player. And they gave $97 million. I don't have the guaranteed money, but I, I'd guess $40, 50000000 million. They gave a lot of cash. And the average per year, which I think could be a little overrated, but when a guy like this, who they clearly like, ain't going anywhere for a while, you know, averages close to $24 million a season. If you are, or excuse me, $20 million a season, might be like nineteen five. If you're if you're Martin, you're like, uh, you know, I, I don't need twenty million dollars, but I, I'd like about fifteen to eighteen. Well, we got to do something with this contract. I, I ain't showing up till we figure this thing out. So they got they got a little bit of a problem on their hands. You got to take care of what's in front of you, but this problem I don't think is going to go away. Uh, Justin Fields, I'll give him credit on this one because I've been critical of just his comment about four thousand yards. Like, bro, just walk before you run. Right, just just let's just have a little success before you start making proclamations about what's going to happen. I do think it's a good idea. The Netflix quarterback show got, you know, whatever renewed, and they're going to do it again this season. And they're trying to find quarterbacks. And one of the first quarterbacks they went to, smart move, right? Get a young guy, kind of polarizing in Justin Fields. He turned him down. And who knows, maybe he could have a breakout season and that would be an awesome storyline or it could go the other way. In general, when you're in his position and you haven't proven shit and let's face it, the GM and the coach did not draft you that if this season does not go well, there's a decent chance you might not be on the team next year. I think the move is just 100% focus on yourself. Nothing external that, that you can control. Anything that you can control, avoid it. And I, I think he made the right decision on this. Like, to me, a guy, like, I, one reason it was smart for Mahomes to do it, how often do you get the opportunity to document something like that in the middle of a Hall of Fame career? Like, to me, Joe Burrow should be all over that, right? But I, I do think it's going to be harder to find the Mariota type. You know, I mean, are, are you going to get, like, I, I don't even know, a Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, that type guy? But Zach Wilson, the Jets would never even allow him to do that. But how do you find, you know, really who are the cousins, right? Dak or excuse, Dak Prescott, Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy would never do it. Hard time seeing Dak do it. Might be a little more difficult getting guys to do it than, than you'd think. You know, now that I'm just, I hadn't really thought much about it, but what's the upside if things go sideways? And if you have a down year, people will blame you for doing it. Because ultimately, Mahomes... Won the Super Bowl in the MVP. Cousins had a fantastic year. They hosted a playoff game. Mariota's career unraveled, but no one really cares. Like he's just he he was a backup before that. Uh, I do wonder if it's going to be a little more difficult for them getting some starters, though. I I don't think it's crazy for the Burrows, even the Josh Allen's, Jalen Hurts, another guy. Uh, but it'll be fascinating to see what three quarterbacks end up giving the go ahead. Uh, Chris Jones. Like Zach Martin, it gets complicated because once you have an older player who's going on contract three or four, they start going, I'm underpaid because in a vacuum, they are right. And Chris Jones going in the last year of his deal makes almost $20 million goes, well, I'm last year. I was every bit as good as Aaron Donald. We won the Super Bowl. I'm the best defensive player on our team, which is the best team in the league. Am I not a $28, $30 million player? Now, I, I do think they would gladly just give him like a one-year $30 million deal, but 
I, that's not really probably what he's looking for, right? He's looking for like three years, 90 million, probably guaranteeing 65, 70 million. And that's if he's willing to go short. I would imagine he'd want like five, five, 150 guarantee 80. And I, I do think it gets pretty difficult. The problem for Veach and the Chiefs is you need them because you're in win now, try to go back to back, win another Super Bowl, just be a legendary dynasty type team. He gives you the best opportunity to do that. But big picture value wise, like, does he have, is he more likely to only have one more year like that or four? I think if you were a betting man, you'd probably say less, less likely to have like five, six more elite years, right? And could you flip him right now for maybe a one and a two and get some other team that would be willing to pay him? You, you could, I think. But is that the smart move when you're trying to win now? It's not. It's kind of in a weird spot. And uh, it's probably why they haven't figured out a number because it becomes difficult. I also think it's difficult for your locker room when you go, everyone knows Mahomes, how important he is. But let's say we wouldn't pay Tyreek last year, so we traded him. Kelsey, who is going to go down as the greatest tight end in the history of the league, is if I pay you $29, $30 million, he's making less than half of what you're making. How do I look him in the face and say, this is cool? You know, it, it becomes a very slippery slope. And this is something that Belichick always thought about was the dynamics of his locker room when it comes to the money. Because we're all humans. I don't care what you do. You, you could work in an insurance company. You can work in any industry. The, the difference is a lot of times in our different businesses, I've only worked in football and in radio, and I just, you kind of know who makes what. I would imagine there are some businesses where you don't really know, but I, I think it's natural for humans to talk. Football, you don't even need to, it just, it's a public number. So you know exactly how much people make. Well, if you're listening to this right now and you're very, very valuable to your company, let's just pick a number. You're making 200 grand and you go, God, I'm making a ton of money. I have a good life. They kind of let me do my thing. It's a win-win for everybody. I probably could make maybe three hundred if I went somewhere else, but it's pretty risky. I, I, I just I get sweet bonuses. It's working out pretty well. But then there's another guy who's your equal, who gets a contract that's worth four hundred fifty thousand dollars. It would just create animosity. I don't care if his job's a little more important than you. If his job's a little harder to find, we're human beings. We just are. And that money, especially for us guys, is kind of how we value our self-worth, right or wrong. It's just, it, it is what it is. That's just a fact for a lot of us. And in football, why you see these guys, why you see the running backs up in arms, because they value themselves with a number. And I'm like that. I'm a very financially driven, like, I value success based on what numbers are doing, whether it's downloads or revenue. Like, those are the only thing I really care about. And the older you get, the longer you work in a business, if that's the way you think, it only gets worse, right? So I, I think that's an issue that the Chiefs and Veach, I don't have any inside information on this, but let's just put the pieces of the puzzle together. That if Mahomes is the most important, you know, 1B and 1C are Chris Jones and Travis Kelsey. Well, you can't have one guy, even if his position is more valuable and he's already making more money, make almost 3X what Travis is making. That that would that that could get a little weird. Two and a half times. Like I I wouldn't blame Travis for like going what the hell. And then last but not least, I can see this coming from a mile away. Sean McVay, his, his I guess I was going to say his fiance. They're married now. 
Veronica, good follow on Instagram, is pregnant. And the baby is due, you know, sometime, give or take, mid-late October. And obviously, you can't always control when the baby comes. And it could come on a weekend when they are playing a game. And I, I can see this coming from a mile away. I would assume Sean would be with the baby. But I do think there's a percentage chance that he would coach a game while his wife's in labor, especially if it's in L.A., and then get helicoptered or somehow get there. And I can already see this being getting takes left and right coming out of the fucking woodwork by the media elites and, and their takes on life balance and some things. And listen, I'm, I'm not saying right or wrong. And who knows? Maybe the baby happens on Tuesday and it doesn't even matter. But if this thing's happening, especially on a road game, it'd be a fascinating follow. And if he were to coach the game, and I'm not saying you should do this. I don't have a child yet. I, I would. I assume if I was him, be next to my wife. I don't think it would be a choice. Uh, but I, you know, Sean McVay is kind of addicted to football. You never know. This, you talk about a controversy you can see coming from a mile away. Does Sean McVay coach if his wife goes into labor? There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because like most 16-year-old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well, I need to add some speakers. I need to tint out the windows. I need to make this thing the coolest car possible so I can cruise around town with all my buddies, waving at the babes, and enjoy myself. So my favorite part of car culture when I was young was definitely the subwoofers in the back of the car. And uh, we built the boxes from scratch, had multiple 12-inch subs, and you could hear me coming from a long, long way away. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, let's do a little thing we like to call the middle cough mailbag. The way you get in this is easy. You slide into my direct messages on Instagram. It's just my name, at John Middlecoff, fire in those dms easy to do i will not get to every question today uh i think i'll just put out a mailbag come friday just so i can bang out some more questions and we got some content for you guys for the mailbag as a niners fan how concerned should we be about the bosa situation do you see this getting ugly anytime i I talked about this earlier in the podcast the 49ers pay every player that matters they always have but parag is an elite businessman I mean, he's, I, he's just knows his shit. I think him and Howie are 
two of, if not the most dynamic money guys in the league. Now, Howie's also the GM. Prague is more in charge of like the contracts, but he also buys the York's European soccer teams. Like he's just a wheeler and a dealer and knows money. And they know how good Nick Bosa is. They don't like, they love Nick Bosa. But whenever they get to whatever the number is, like with Debo, it was like $55, $60 million. Like they're going to argue with you. They're going to negotiate with you. Like they're cutthroat that way. If they could save $5 million off the top line, they know what general, you know, the general area you're going, but that's the way they operate. So I would imagine they're haggling over a couple million, couple here and there. They're in, I would imagine Nick Bosa is going to get 120 guaranteed. So maybe the Niners right now are at 110. He's at 125. They'll figure it out. But Nick Bosa is not only not going anywhere, uh, the number is going to be astronomical. It, it, it's going to be big. So I, I would not be concerned. One, he's a fitness freak. And two, they, they've just paid every player that's mattered in my adult life. If Derek Carr is a good season and playoff success with the Saints, could we start to think that team success isn't a quarterback stat? After watching Stafford win in L.A. and Wilson struggle in Denver, I think it's clear most good quarterbacks with success are products of their surrounding. Here's a simple reality at the position. I don't care if you're Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning in Indy had a Hall of Fame general manager who did an incredible job of drafting skill guys around him, right? Starting, I think, guess Harrison was there when he got there, but from Reggie Wayne to Dallas Clark to Austin Colley, like they always had sweet players on offense. Same thing when he got to Denver, right? They had a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball. And in Denver, unlike Indy, they had really good defense. Stuff is out of your control, right? You, you don't get to pick the players. You don't get to pick the scheme, really. You get to influence it. But guys like Derek Carr and Matt Stafford definitely do not. Matt Stafford went to the playoffs three times in Detroit. Now, he didn't win a playoff game, but they had some success, right? I think Derek, he technically led the Raiders to the playoffs twice, the one year he broke his ankle. So he a little bit like Stafford. I, I think watching Stafford's career and Derek's career, Stafford's a better player. But I hear you. Like, if they win 12 games and Derek throws 35 touchdowns, be a pretty big moment. Whenever this happens, like, the Lions waved the white flag. They, they never said Stafford stunk. Right, they, they knew how good he was. They just needed to blow it up, and they they capitulated when Stafford's like, "I think it's time we go our separate ways." The Derek thing is like, we don't think you're good enough. We don't want you here. The, the Lions were, what's the point of this? Let's just go our separate ways. Stafford wanted out. The Derek thing's a true. We don't think you're any good. So I, it, to me, I, I love those. Like Belichick, I think you're old. Time to go a different direction. And he was wrong. Brady was still good for a couple of years. I don't necessarily blame Belichick, but Brady's just an all-time outlier. I mean, he's just... I, you would move on from most 43-year-olds. If their name's Tom Brady, you're probably screwed, though. Question for the pod. If the Bengals decide to keep the big three to be- together, Burrow, Chase, and Higgins, how will that impact the rest of their team? Will it prevent them from re-signing key players like DJ Reader, Logan Wilson? What do you think is the best route to a Super Bowl? Here's the hard part. When you're best, like, I'll give you an example for the 49ers. Now, Burrow, being a quarterback, we just saw Herbert, like, I mean, Burrow's going to get $270 million and get 190 guaranteed, right? 
But the Niners are a good example of a team that benefits from like they got two of their best players play tight end, running back, and even third Fred Warner linebacker. So those three guys make like 12, 14, and like 13 or 14, 15 million dollars, right? Jamar Chase is going to be at minimum a 28, 30 million dollar player. Higgins, what I talked about earlier on the podcast, isn't quite on that tier, but even in that like IUK tier, that's still $20 million. And then Burrow is just $45, $50 million. The problem is when you hit on multiple wide receivers, I kind of believe you have to pick one and then just build it around a tight end, a running back, and then defensively. I don't, and I understand they said at the combine, like people thinking that they were going to trade Higgins, like get your own wide receiver. I don't disagree because you want them on your squad. It does get very hard to pay all three of them, right? Ideally, you would have an all pro at tight end. If you, if T, you could turn T Higgins into a tight end, you wouldn't heartbeat because you would immediately save five, six million dollars a year. And the guaranteed money would be like, what's T Higgins guaranteed money? $50 million. What do you have to guarantee it? I mean, Travis Kelsey got a contract since you got $22 million guaranteed. So I, there's no right or wrong answer. Like the whole point of the draft is draft good players. The problem is when you hit on them and they play certain positions, they just cost more. Right. And it's just, that's the reality of hitting on wide receivers. If you can afford a Mercedes, okay. Like you can make the payments or whatever. If that Mercedes has issues, it costs everything about it costs more than let's say the Honda Accord. Right. Or my Chevy Tahoe. Right. You get a Range Rover. The maintenance on that thing is more like once you hit on a wide receiver, the whole point of the draft, every player you pick, you want to be sweet. But when you hit on a center, it's easier to keep that guy forever than it is like three wide receivers. You usually got to pick one. Mainly when you're paying a quarterback, if you're not paying a quarterback, you got a lot more wiggle room. But Burrow, now Herbert, Mahomes. You really got to think about the way you build. I've seen Colin in a couple shows doing this topic and wanted your take on it. Historically, there are around four to six new teams in the playoffs every year, which also mean that around four to six, I don't think it's four to six. I think it's like one to two, a conference. So four max. Six feels like a lot. Because think about last year. The Giants were new. Seattle, I guess, was new. But the 49ers were in it. The Eagles were in it the year before. The Vikings were not in it. The Packers. So yeah, I guess maybe you're right. The Chiefs were in it. The Bills were in it. The Bengals were in it. The Dolphins were new. So yeah, okay. The, the Cowboys were in it the year before. I, I, I'd hear four. Six feels like a lot. I, I would say the teams that would be, I would red flag this year, would be, would be Minnesota could take a step back. But the more I think about them, you watch that quarterback documentary, couldn't they still be a wild card team? You know, the Giants, could they take a little step back? But the NFC kind of stinks. Like, could them and Washington potentially flip? Maybe, but is Biennemi a good play caller? Like, when Andy's not around? We're about to find out. Is the quarterback any good? Um, I think the AFC could have some swings. Right? I guess the Chargers were in it, the Jags were in it, the Chiefs were in it, the Bills were in it. We'd pick all those teams. The Bengals, we would pick. Uh, the The Ravens did not make the play. The Ravens, the Ravens did make the playoffs, right? Yeah, they did with Tyler Huntley. The, the Steelers would be a team. The Browns, potentially with you have Deshaun Watson as a bounce back year. 
the Denver Broncos, Sean Payton, and Russell Wilson. I mean, those, those are the teams. The NFC, it's hard to find, like, are the Rams going to bounce back? I, I'm, I don't see the Rams. I, I don't buy it. I just think they are, I don't think they're good enough. One. And two, is, is Stafford even healthy? They, they are just so dependent on two players. We saw last year, those guys get hurt. You're just screwed. Browns fan here. I was kind of surprised that you didn't include Stefanski in your coaches on the hot seat list. I know that Watson's situation has been a mess, but I feel like this year was a top five offensive line, top two or three running back, legit wide receivers, and a full year of Deshaun. The excuses have pretty much run out. Am I right for thinking that Stefanski is a coach for coach a guy coaching for his job and needs to make the playoffs this year? What's funny is when I finished it and I was thinking about it, I had to get Sark in there. So if I was going to just go an NFL list and remove Sark, like it's just to me, Sark and Staley are just t- two places I'm going to, I've planted my flag for years and I ain't budging. Stefanski, I kind of like. I've heard him on some podcasts, feels like a smart guy. I- I'm not inundated with Brown stuff. Like I know you guys have a diehard fan base, live and die with it. I, I checked out last year, I did not pay attention. I want to almost say I gave you a pass. And the year before, I mean, Baker just stinks. But I hear you. I, I think he was a guy, he was a strong omission that he not only could have been on that list, probably should have been on the list. And if it was NFL-centric, you would just remove Sarkeesian and put him. Because, like I said earlier, you don't fire players. And when you pay a guy $230 million guaranteed, he's not going anywhere. So, yeah. Here's the problem, though. Let's say you go 8-9 and nine or 9-8 nine and eight and you miss the playoffs. Right, your eighth or ninth best team in the AFC, and Deshaun looks okay. You're kind of screwed. You can fire Stefanski, and you're an NFL job, so people will take your job. But are you telling me that that's a good job? Because if Deshaun is for whatever reason damaged goods, that's a problem, right? It, it really is because you're kind of stuck with them. Longtime listener, second time asking a question: Is there a reason to believe the hype? around quarterback Jeff Christensen says about Trey Lance, I totally understand your opinion about his accuracy and just overall no reps. So is there any reason to get into the session with Mahomes and Christensen? Also, congrats on the move. I'm very hesitant with off-season stuff, just in general, any sport, right? Like I've completely changed my batting stance. I've completely worked on my jump shot. I've completely rechanged my motion. It happens a lot in golf. Like, I've made tweaks to my swing. Well, how's it going to work once you're playing? Because there's a little thing called muscle memory that I know for as a golfer that you can make tweaks all you want. I'd be like, God, I'm on the range. I'm hitting as good as freaking Rory McIlroy. And then you get to hole two and the ball's flying all over the place. Same thing with a quarterback motion. I can shorten it up. I can shorten it up. And then the moment I get a pass rush, I get bodies in my face, your muscle memory just kind of resorts. So... If he's able to keep a shorter release, that will be impressive. But as the news came out today, Brock Purdy's healthy. Trey Lance is competing to be the backup. Now, even if he wins the backup job, he is not on the field. So I I don't see the reps. He gets some practice reps and some preseason reps. But if Purdy's healthy, he's just not going anywhere. Now, you could argue he played seven games and he got injured. I'd say, well... You know, some of Lance's injuries have been running around, right? His rookie year trying to run over a guy, hurt his shoulder, or hurt his knee against Arizona. 
broke his ankle last year running. Like he's kind of in a weird way a running quarterback, but he's not that fast. Like Purdy got hurt because Kyle Shanahan just called a terrible play. Tyler Croft is not blocking Hassan Reddick. That's just and I, I understand Kyle's stubborn and refuses to go. Yeah, we would like that one back. He'll never say that. Which listen, it's his prerogative, but he should. Like that was a play you would like a redo on. Not a Titans fan, but I'm a little confused on why you were down on them. They are the easiest get. They have one of the easiest schedules in the league. Last time, uh, they had a prominent number one wide receiver. They made it all the way to the championship game. They were leading the Jags by multiple games. Come to the end of the season before their team got hurt, and they took it all the way to the end with Dobbs at the quarterback with a chance to make the playoffs against the Jags. Obviously, the AFC is loaded, but do you really not see a chance for them? These teams make the playoffs given the easy schedules and weak overall division. I think when you say a number, AJ Brown in 2023, even at, you know, the version of AJ Brown a couple years ago, like what they're getting in Hopkins, there is a wide gap. Like Hopkins is to me not even a top. I know the Madden rankings had him really high. I think Madden had him rated higher than AJ Brown, and I refuse to even acknowledge that. And I, I appreciate the game, but like th- those rankings, but I think it's hard to compare a young in the prime AJ Brown and an older trending down Hopkins. But in a vacuum, am I being a little hard on the Titans? Probably, right? The, the like you said, the schedule sucks. The division's not that good. Elite coach. Even if I'm not a huge Tannehill fan, he's proven he can just kind of play an Alex Smith-like role. Here's the problem. I think the Jags are going to be dramatically better. Trevor Lawrence didn't really hit his stride till halfway through the season, right? So the Jags get Calvin Ridley, n- never forget, who's a really, really good player, to go with Christian Kirk, who was proven last year. Everyone shit on him. Probably. I'm guilty, too. The contract was bad. Pretty damn good. So they're, to me, their passing game is going to be much better. Have young players on defense. I think it's more likely the Jags are like an 11-win team. And even if I'm too low on the Titans, and the Titans get to that 8-9 range. But I don't think when the dust settles in December, that's as close. Because the Jags, Urban Meyer ain't walking through that door. They got a guy who outdueled Belichick in the Super Bowl, who is the play caller. And they got Trevor Lawrence, to me, who's really coming into his own. Like the way we talk about the Burroughs and the Herberts and the Allens, like it took Allen a couple years, right? Herbert and Burrow pretty quickly. Trevor Lawrence got Urban Meyer year one. I think by the end of this season, we're like, God damn, Trevor Lawrence is a beast. That's what I expect. And Tannehill will not be on the team in two years. I'm sure you are tired of talking about the running backs, but I feel like it's the easiest solution for the NFLPA is trying to negotiate incentive incentives for all rookie contracts. If I'm a running back, if a running back hits a thousand yards on a rookie contract, they get one million dollars. Mahomes throws for 50 TDs on a rookie deal. Bonus. Bosa gets 10 sacks on a rookie deal. Bonus. Not sure how it would work for offensive line, but I think it's the easiest fix for a guy like Philip Lindsay who put two thousand yard seasons but never saw any real money due to a short shelf life. Here's the problem. That stuff's already negotiated. So like they just entered uh, a contract as a as a players union and as as the ownership. Like they're the contract signed. Once we sign a deal, right? Like just bought a house. I'm under contract. I, I got the mortgage, which I got to start paying in about five days. Got a double dip because I still got to pay for the apartment I'm staying in because the house isn't ready, right? But that's neither here nor there. My point is the contract's a contract. The contract they have, they're not amending that. They're not adding shit. So I hear you, and I wouldn't be against that. 
right? Like if you outperform your rookie deal, but I, here's what I'd argue if I was a GM. The moment I give you a contract, especially the high-end guys, right? I, I think it's fair for lower round picks that are making 700 grand, but Nick Bose has become a star, but he was the second pick of the draft, right? He got a $22 million signing bonus. Like if Anthony Richardson or CJ Stroud hit, right, and they become a really good player, it's a good contract, right? Because you get a franchise quarterback, but you didn't pay him nothing. I mean, you you gave him 35, 38, 37 million dollars guaranteed before they'd ever proven shit. They'd proven it in college. But that's we've seen time and time again. That is that's not automatically going to translate. So I, I think with the high players like Saquon, like Bosa, like the I don't know, man. They they get paid a lot, a lot of money for guys coming into the league with no track record. Now, if I was representing the union, I'd say, hey, listen, when you get, sign a guy or draft a guy in the fourth round, right? When you hit on a home run on a Kirk Cousins or a George Kittle or Richard Sherman type or whoever, I mean, there's a million examples. You get that guy in a four-year contract averaging about 850 grand or 900 grand or whatever it works out to be over those four years. To me, they have to have an enormous incentives. Like if I'm a fourth rounder and I become a pro bowler in year two or three, to me, it should be like a $5 million bonus. I should be paid like what you're paying the first round picks. Like to me, that's negotiable because that happens all the time, right? You get a guard in the third round, dude turns into like a four-time pro bowler and you're paying him $785,000 in a second year. You're like, I don't want a deal. <laughs> what this is, this is stealing. So I, I I think that's the argument, but that's not going to happen anytime soon. Pretty sure they just came to an agreement last year for the new media deal. They're they're they, the CBA is signed, sealed, delivered. Question for the pod: a simple one. On the current trajectory, do you think running backs are going the way of the fullback? We barely see fullbacks anymore, and high schools and colleges aren't producing running backs in good numbers anymore. Kids are smart and they all want to be quarterbacks. Wide receivers and corners is where the money is. I still think running backs exist all over college football, but the more and more that the spread offense overtakes just the college game and definitely the high school game. I would imagine if you go to any good high school around the country, I've been saying this for years, I went to high school in the early 2000s. The overwhelming majority of high schools had an option offense, whether it be the wing tee, whether it be the triple option, some semblance of that. By the time I got to Fresno State in like 08, 09, it was starting to become very spread happy and definitely very pass happy. In 2023, I would imagine the quote unquote spread in high school football is closer to 100% than it is. 70, right? So the more and more you do that, the less you develop offensive linemen who can, you know, are versatile player because your quarterback's never under center. It's why every time we have the senior bowl and whoever's coaching the senior bowl looks at the quarterbacks and go, how many of you guys have ever been under center? Most of them do not raise their hand. So yeah, I, I think more and more they become these hybrid players. I think we get more Austin Ecklers who like we talked about earlier, was an undrafted free agent, right? Saquon, 
special talent. They're always going to be special talents because these guys, 5'11", 6 feet, they're 220 pounds, they can run like the wind, who are just physical freaks. You want to have them tote the rock, right? You want to get under center, hand them the ball. But I also think like more and more high schools have guys that look like Austin Eckler physically. And if you can find those guys, it's they can produce in the passing game. Just how many colleges, like beside Jim Harbaugh, are getting under center and slamming it down your throat? It's kind of a thing going by the wayside. So the NFL is a product of what they're given. They don't get to determine what comes to them, right? If they did, every year they would have like eight Lane Johnsons and eight Nick Boses and five Joe Burrows, but that's not the case. Some years you got a bunch of tight ends. Right, the, the college talent determines itself, right? Which comes from high school. It actually works from the bottom up, and even schematically, it does. Right, spread really. Think of think of the college passing attacks have really, or I mean, in the pros now, that is much more of a passing league. I would say that was developed through the college game because that's what it kept handing them quarterbacks who had thrown a lot more in their youth who were much more equipped to throw the ball 50 times a game immediately. Patrick Mahomes was used to throwing the ball all the time. Seamless transition. Not, not very difficult. Greetings from Ontario, Canada. This is my favorite pod. I appreciate you, Lizzie. Love the content. Have been a big Niners fan since the Montana days. Here's my question. If Purdy doesn't bounce back from his surgery as hoped, the Niners will be prepared to run Darnold out there for the entire season, assuming... The supply legitimate. I don't. This question. This is using his uh, wife's Instagram. Obviously, that was a huge offseason topic. Sam Darnold, Trey Lance. I think that topic dramatically was muted today. Now that we have, at least as of today, you can still you have setbacks and stuff. But until there's a setback, we have a backup quarterback battle. And then I think the big picture question mark is. If Sam Darnold wins the job as the backup quarterback, does Trey Lance also continue to be on the team, or do they trade him and just make like Brandon Allen their third quarterback? That that to me would be the number one question. If Brock Purdy is one hundred percent starting Week One, which all signs point to that right now, is if Sam Darnold wins the job, does Trey Lance stay on the team? I'd say it's fifty fifty. I I I am more more inclined to say a decent chance because of this third quarterback rule which was created because of the Niners, right, in the Purdy situation, if that rule didn't exist, I would say he would not be on the team. But because of that rule, and he's a good guy, I would say still a decent chance they keep him because you already paid him anyway. Like, it, you're not unloading that salary. Uh, unless a team's a little desperate and you can get, like, he was awesome in training camp and maybe you get a third. But even then, why wouldn't you just keep him? So it's it's a complicated situation. It's, it's, it's going to be once the playing on the field works itself out, the situation is going to play itself out by locker dynamics. How comfortable they are. Uh, Purdy, does does he need, do they need to get Lance away from him? Do they feel comfortable with the two of them being together if he's a third quarterback? So a lot, a lot of moving parts there, which, you know, makes football fun, man. The quarterback controversies, even when you have the set starter, uh, high picks, you know, the Zach Wilsons, the Trey Lances, the Justin Fields. These topics never die, man. They, they never do. Have a good weekend. and or Not weekend. It's the middle of the week. My bad. I don't even know. It's just football's here. All the days are the same. Talk to everyone soon. Peace.
It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters— With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.